of our attention, Lord. Give it all to you, Lord. And reach out to you, Lord, and seek your face. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would pour your spirit out upon us, Lord. That you would quicken us, Lord. Make us alive, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would lift you up, exalt your name, Lord. Worship you, Lord, like this was our last day on earth, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, Lord, that we would humble ourselves before you, Lord. Lord, you, you're the one that matters. You matter more than anything in this world, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, Lord, that we would pour our hearts out to you, Lord, and lift you up, Lord, and worship and praise you, because, Lord, you're worthy of it, Lord. Lord, you put breath in our lungs. You let our heart beat, Lord. Lord, you brought us out of a horrible place, Lord. And you've given us an abundant life, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, have your way, Lord. I pray, Lord, you anoint the worship team, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you come with us, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, you send your angels, Lord, to be with us. Lord, hallelujah. Lord, have your way in this place, Lord. I ask this all, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Praise God. Praise the Lord. He is definitely the great I am. Amen. He is everything. Amen. Praise God. Beautiful. I am. Thank you, Jesus. Good to see everybody this evening. Beautiful weather. Perfect temperature. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And this is a beautiful place to be. Amen. On this beautiful day. Amen. No other place than the house of God. Hallelujah. I appreciate the goodness of the Lord. Amen. We are uh, a few announcements. Uh, let's not forget Brother Gabriel Reynolds, who will be with us on the 25th of this month to the 29th, Wednesday to a Sunday. So we are looking forward to him coming to minister to us. Amen. And let's pray for those services. And hallelujah. And Sister Linda, doing fine after her surgery Monday. Back home already. The doctor said it went well. So thank God for that. Amen. Amen. Of course, uh, haven't really heard anything as of yet, but uh, uh, I don't know, you know, who all is going to be uh, coming this way. But Brother Grimes from White Clay uh, obviously still wants to have a meeting. With us here, uh, myself and and uh, of course the brethren, the elders, and uh, Brother Craig, and being service with this, uh, with being services with us, so that will be uh, that's coming up soon. And so, as soon as we find out the dates, then uh, or the date, then we'll amen. What we'll let everybody know? He just wants to come and visit, and be in us, with us, and worship. So, and then uh, of course. Amen. Just trying to do what we can to support the work that he's doing out there in the Pine Ridge. Amen. What's taking place out there. So a lot to pray about and a lot to look forward to and what God is doing. And uh, amen, not just uh, out there, but across amen, all the, uh, this state and, and the reservations, the Rosebud and uh, going up on into Canada. Praise the Lord. So we're just praying and praying for God's will. We can have understanding of God's will, what to do and when to do it. It's important for us. So, Amen. But I'm glad to be a part of it anyway. Amen. What God That's is right. doing. And, and, uh, hallelujah. <coughs> Praise God. There's a few of us here tonight. Amen. There's a few of us here tonight, which is good. 
like the scripture says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name. Amen. There am I in the midst of them. So, amen. That, that gives me faith and that gives me confidence knowing that God is with us. God is with us. There have been some things that I have been feeling on my heart and uh, I just want to be able to uh, uh, share them with you. So we'll, we'll begin. Amen. Just a little bit, my pages are being blown. I, uh, and not tonight, but I am wanting to let everybody know that uh, I will be starting a series of Bible studies on the priest's garments. And uh, I'm trying to get everything ready, prepared, because I'm going to use this right here to present it on. So I want to go through that. It's just been uh, of great interest to me. And I know we shared just a little bit of it with the Brethren Men's Group, but I feel compelled by the Lord to even go on with the congregation because I think all the people of God need to come to a understanding of you know what the scripture teaches us and what that all means so we're going to be doing that and uh, like I said it's going to be a series of Bible studies and we will go through it all we will go through the priest's garments and try to get as much as we possibly can out of it and what it means and praise God so be advised that we will be doing that uh, very very shortly here we will be beginning on that so I have just been uh, I, I guess my mind has been uh, I have been meditating upon uh, the tabernacle of Moses and, uh, you know, for myself, and, and not just for myself, but for, for everybody, for the, for the people of God, and, and just a, a uh, I guess you can say, a breakdown of the tabernacle of Moses, all the, the furniture, and all the building materials, and the sacrifices, and the priesthood, everything that has been, you know, that the Lord gave Moses as far as his instructions for the tabernacle and the priesthood, everything uh, down to every little detail. A lot of times we don't really realize it. We may kind of skim over it and don't really pay too much attention to it. But there's a reason why the Lord instructed Moses to build it in the fashion that he built it. And one of his admonitions to Moses was this. He said, make sure you build build it according to the pattern that was showed thee on the mount. That's the reason why the Lord said that. In other words, don't get away, don't deviate from what was shown you and build it just exactly as it was shown to you. So, and so that there's a, there's a reason for that. There's a purpose for that. Because when we talk about the covenant, of course, back then it was the Old Testament covenant. Uh, people called it the Mosaic Covenant and uh, the Tabernacle of Moses, the Tabernacle of the Congregation, 
whatever uh, it was known by or whatever it was however it was described and, and of course you know God always used certain words uh, to describe something and that's kind of the way it is I mean there's so many angles and so many facets and so many truths concerning that that we can I mean we, we can begin to study but we're going to find out we could just keep on going on and going on and going on to know every like I said we sing that song I am I am the bread I am the wine I am the lamb I am all this he's everything he's even the, he's even the tabernacle and he's even the furniture in the tabernacle so so try to wrap that around your your brain there and uh but but I, I want you to I want you to understand I want you to get this I, I just want you to comprehend uh, the way I, I want to approach this. Of course, it, w- it wasn't something that I put together in my own mind. It was something I felt led of the Holy Ghost to try to, as much as I, I possibly can, to to really simplify it. Just really simplify it. Okay. Uh, you go with me to the book of. Uh, Exodus, and uh, we'll start with uh, we'll start with verse number uh, chapter number twenty-eight, and uh, we'll see something there. That's the right one, and uh, well, excuse me. Twenty-five is what I'm looking for. The whole, the whole thing about the tabernacle, the whole thing about the tabernacle, is summarized in this one verse in chapter twenty-five of Exodus, verse number eight. The whole purpose of the tabernacle is summarized in this. He said, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I that I showed you, that I showed thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make. So there's that admonition. Of course, there's several of them. Every time he gives commandments concerning different furniture and the parts of the tabernacle and even the garments and the priesthood, he always came back with that reminder to Moses, make sure I show, make sure you make it after the pattern that I showed thee on the mount. Always reminding Moses, do not deviate from the plan. Do not deviate from the plan. So that's what we're doing. We're not, we're not to deviate from the plan of God. We're supposed to do everything accordingly. Amen. Amen. And, and to the instruction that he's given us, to his commandments. And that's, what, that's how we're supposed to build. And, and praise God. So when we're talking about the tabernacle, of course here he said that he may dwell 
that he may dwell among them. So God could have a dwelling place among his people. He could be near them. Now, here's, here's, the, here's what happens as far as the people of God being able to come before the Lord. The people of God being able to access and come before the Lord. Of course, in the Old Testament, we see that it was a worldly sanctuary. But I want you to, and, and uh, I'll put a, a diagram on the, on, the, on the screen here uh, as we go on. And it's not tonight, but later. But I, I, in that diagram, you're going to see this. You're going to see the outer court of the tabernacle. And you're going to see all the, the, the articles, the furniture, as they went in, as they made their way to God. They went, went in, they entered in by the, 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 the gate that brought you into the tabernacle proper. In other words, as soon as you pass through that first, uh, the, the hangings there, the curtains there into the tabernacle from the outside of the camp into the tabernacle proper. Of course, guess what they called the outside, uh, the perimeter of the tabernacle behind the, 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 the hangings that were uh, erected there. They called it, listen to this, they called it the outer court. And the outer court, there was the altar of sacrifice, the altar of burnt uh, sacrifices, and then, which was made of, of, of brass, and then from there the labor, right before you got to the tabernacle, that was also made of brass. So those two items that were there in the outer court, those two places you had to minister to or approach before you could enter into the tabernacle itself. So does everybody get that? Yeah. Pretty simple. So I'm talking about having access to God, having access to God. So obviously when you came from, when an Israelite male, here's the thing, here's the law of sacrifices. A lot of people don't realize this. How many, how many Jews followed Moses from Egypt to the promised land? Two million. That's that's a guessimentation. Uh, two million. Okay, that's a lot of people, isn't it? Can you imagine two million people in a in a caravan? That's a lot of people that followed Moses. Some people said it was pretty close to three million, but who knows? All we know, it was a lot of people that followed Moses Amen. from Egypt, from Goshen, all the way to the Promised Land. That's a lot of people walking, a lot of dust being raised. Yes. Huh? Yeah. A lot of noises, people talking, yeah. animals making all the noises that they make. Sheep bleeding, camels grunting and all that. Can you imagine that? All that activity following Moses as he's leading them to the promised land. Praise God. So think about that. So because there were the population of Israel was that many 
you know, souls, God chose a way. God chose a way that every Israelite could be taken care of. Because that's a lot of people, isn't it? So how did he do it? He chose out of every family the head of the family to represent that family. So the person that was chosen to offer the sacrifices for a family was the head of the family. All the males were chosen to represent. So now you understand why the scripture, when it talks about uh, the people of Israel, why is it? It's always referenced to the, to the male side. You ever notice that? It's because the head of the home, the head of the house represented the family. Okay? And then the head of the tribes, the chiefs of the tribes, they represented the tribes. So breaking it down, how did God take care of all that business concerning the sacrifice? Well, that one person represented the whole family. That one person represented the whole tribe take care of all that business because not everybody can go and offer their sacrifices. Okay, now let's break it down even further. So that many people, that many sacrifices, remember there had to be sacrifices in the morning, sacrifices in the evening. There was the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice. So how did the Lord take care of all those numbers of people? That's a good question, isn't it? How did he do that? Well, one tribe for one month. So Judah offered their sacrifices for a month. Simeon offered their sacrifices for a month. So they broke it down. Twelve months. Each tribe for a month. But yet there was what they call an extension the third year because guess what? Of course, the Jewish months, you know how they are. They alter. There's just like we have a leap year. There is an extension. So the third year and on the, on the I, I believe it was the third or fourth month, even though the Levites did not have an inheritance with the, with the tribe of all the rest of the tribes, guess what? That was... On the third year, and on that 13th month, because they had a 13th month, the tribe of Levi was able to offer their first fruits to the Lord. So God had a plan to be able, he executed it. He's a God of order. That's how he took care of all those people. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? And people don't even realize that. People don't really realize it. But God has a process. God has a way. God has an order. So going back to what I was telling you about access to God. Remember the outer court. We're going to speak about that later. The outer court. You notice anything he had to do to deal with sin was represented by the brazen altar and the brazen labor. Bloodshed. And after bloodshed, you were 
you were made clean and you were sanctified. So the brazen labor, the brazen, the brazen altar, the brazen labor represented taking care of the sin. So when you took care of the sin and you made your way from the outer court to the, what was the first room going into the tabernacle? What was the first room that you entered in when you went into that blue veil? It was what they call the holy place. Now remember this, the outer court, the holy place. And so when you fulfilled the ceremonies of the holy place, and then once every year the high priest was the only one that was able to enter into the third place. And that third place was called the holiest of all. So here we see, here we see a progression. The outer court, the holy place, and then the holiest of all. Access to God. Remember, the outer court, the holy place, and the holiest of all. Amen. What did the Lord say? Or what did James said? This is a principle. This is a principle. You and, you and I should understand this principle. When it comes to seeking God. When it comes to wanting access to God. I know we're filled with, this whole, with, with, with the Holy Ghost. We're filled with His Spirit. But guess what? We can still draw nigh unto God. Right. Amen. All right. Yeah. What's the principle? What's the principle? God is not going to move unless you move first. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Are you listening? Yes. Yeah. God is not going to move unless you move first. Right. James said that. Right. And you know what? You know why it's important for us? Because all the apostles understood yeah. the principles of worship. That came from the tabernacle of Moses and the tabernacle of David and the temple of Solomon. The same principle. Amen. Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. That's right. So if you want to draw nigh unto God, guess what? You have to draw nigh. Yes. You have to take the first step. Yes. You know why? Amen. Because God knows if you're not going to take the first step. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. And if you're going to hold back, is everybody listening? Yeah. If you're going to hold back, he's going to hold back. That's right. That's how it So those of you that say, well, how come I didn't get touched by the Holy Ghost? Right. Well, how much do you want to touch the Holy That's Ghost? Right. How much are you going to stick your hand out there and try to worship God? You know, they come in here and, 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 and you don't make any kind of effort, any kind of movement, anything to humble yourself. And you say, I didn't feel anything. Well, it's very obvious. Yeah, right. Amen. That's a principle. Yes. Amen. That's a principle. So tonight we're going to talk about the holy place. The holy place. Go with me to the book of uh, Hebrews, chapter 8. 
Amen. Hebrews chapter 8. <clears throat> All right, I just, I just want to, for your information, I like doing this. I'm just the kind of guy that I'm, I just, when I'm learning about something and I'm reading about something, especially pertaining like what we're talking about, we're, what we're discussing, the tabernacle. For me to get an idea of what I'm trying to understand, and when it talks about, you know, the way the tabernacle is built, the blueprints, and even the dimensions, I, for me, I have to kind of like, I can't get it unless I somehow can put my mind to it. And, and, and that way I can learn, you know, it's, you know and, and I can get an idea. So for those of you that are interested, the tabernacle, the dimensions of the tabernacle, if you want to uh, translate it from what it talks about, the cubics that they use, the, men, the dimensions of the tabernacle are 45 feet by 15 feet, 45 feet wide by 15 feet, uh, uh, 45 feet long by 15 feet wide by 15 feet in height. Can you imagine that? These are these are 12, these are almost... Uh, Nine nine foot walls, but can you imagine that being a little bit higher, almost ten, almost ten feet, but a little bit higher? Because I think these are nine nine, if I remember right. So can you imagine that being a little bit higher? How high that was? So it was it was a pretty, you know, fifteen feet, mm, thirty five, thirty six feet is the width of this room right here, thirty six eight. So can you imagine, could you try to figure out what 15 feet would be wide? 45, and, and this is a little over, uh, is it 45 something, a little over 45.9 or 45.10 is the length of this sanctuary. So got, that kind of tells you the length of the tabernacle. Gives you a good idea. Okay, so 45 in length, 15 in width, and 15 in height. The holy place the holy place was 30 feet in length, 15 feet wide and 15 feet high. The, the, what we're talking about tonight, the holy place. And the holy of holies, or as the Jews call it, the most holy place, it was 15 by 15 by 15. Okay? So kind of give you an idea of what that looks like. So you can kind of get up in your in your in your mind. You might well maybe right here, maybe this section. I don't know. I don't uh, praise God. That might that might be a little longer, a little wider than 15 feet. I'm not sure, but can you imagine that being that length up to here? And he had all that furniture. Of course, the holy of the the holy place was what we're talking about tonight. So. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 2, if you want to go there. Let's start with verse number 1. Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Now, look what he says. This is important because this gives us an insight. This is the reason why Moses said, make sure... You make it 
according to the pattern that was that was showed you on the mount. He said, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle. Now, there, there's two. There's actually, how could I say it? Two dimensions, if I want to put it that way, of what he's talking about here. First of all, the tabernacle of Moses was a figure of the tabernacle in heaven. Okay? There's the first one. And that's what he's talking about. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. Okay? And, and you see that there, what he's saying here. Verse number five. Who serve unto the example and shadow of what? Heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed thee in the mount. So there's that admonition again. He's speaking about that admonition that was given about five times in the book of Exodus. Make sure you make it according to the pattern that was showed thee on the mount. So it had to follow the exact pattern of what was in the heavenlies. That was one dimension of it. Now, does anybody know what the other dimension of it is? Now, when I say dimension, I'm not talking about measurements. Because the tabernacle inside there, the, the Moses' tabernacle, remember, even the outer court, even the, the altar and the labor and the furniture inside that tabernacle, that was all a pattern, okay? So that was one dimension of worship, if you please. But it all symbolized, it all was a, uh, it was the exact pattern of the things that were up in the heaven, okay? So that was one dimension of it. So the other dimension of it, Ooh, you're getting close there, Sister Dina. What did the Bible say about Jesus? And the Word was made flesh right. and dwelt, which the correct word should be tabernacled among us. Right. So the tabernacle of His body. Right. Why? Because if you follow the pattern of the tabernacle of Moses, guess what? Everything's laid out. Guess what? There's a symbol of a cross. So that's why we have to stick to the book. So we see that. And then Hebrews chapter 9, Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances. As I said, the service in the tabernacle allowed the priest to have access to God by the sacrificial ceremonies that were instructed for them to follow. <coughs> so we see that. The first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. Everybody see that? For there was a, now look what he says, 
For there was a tabernacle made. Now look what he's talking about. The first, what we're talking about tonight, the holy place. The first, wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. Then he says, and after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. So we see that. So, so now we can see that he's talking about the two, amen, places inside the tabernacle structure itself. And what we're talking about tonight, the holy place. But inside the holy place, when you entered the holy place, guess what? The, 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 the furniture that was there and was placed in the holy place, he mentions it. He talks about the table of showbread. But he leaves out one article of furniture. Does anybody know what that is? The, the altar of incense, which was right before the veil. And then on his left, the candlestick. Remember, where are all those located? The holy place. Get, get that in your mind. The holy place. Remember Brother Ger uh, brother Gerritsen? <laughs> no, not Brother Gerritsen. Remember Brother what He said, Brother Marshall, I would like to hear you teach on the tabernacle, the holy place, and the holy, holiest of all. <laughs> remember he said that? You guys remember him saying that? Why is it? Because guess what? Access to God. Yes. It means what it means. The holy place, and then pretty soon, the holiest of God. So we, we, we have, a, of course, the starting place is the altar the, of sacrifice and then the labor. Then you can go into the tabernacle itself. And then the first article of furniture that you would approach is the table of showbread. Why? Why are those? Th those are all important for us. Now listen to this. Those are all. We need to service. We need to minister at the table of showbread, we need to minister at the altar of incense, we need to minister at the candlestick so that we can be in a holy place. So that's what he's talking about. Verse 8 of Hebrews, and I, I'm going to throw this in there so this will kind of help you understand. The Holy Ghost this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest well as the first tabernacle was yet standing, okay? Which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. So you see that, that the, the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holy... Of, of all was not yet made manifest. In other words, guess what? That just served. Now, now, how many of you can, how many of you understand why it is spoken in that manner or expressed in that manner when he said the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. Well, as the first tabernacle was yet standing. 
Christ was our way in. So what does that tell you? What does that tell you? Entrance even into the holies of all was only a one year occurrence or it happened one year. I mean, uh, one time out of the year, the day of atonement was the only time the high priest entered into the holy of holies with the blood of the sacrifice to make atonement for the sins of Israel. And all he did. Is everybody paying attention? Yeah. All he did was. He rolled back God's judgment a year. Right. Right. So the judgment of God. Wouldn't fall upon. The people of Israel. It was temporary. It rolled the judgment of God back one year. So because it rolled it back one year. This is in, in the minds of the people. Here's what they were thinking. We only, we have been, we have been forgiven. We have been forgiven for one year. Our atonement is only good for one year. So when that one year Amen. Came to its end. Guess what? There goes the high priest again. Okay? You get what I see? So, guess what? That was a reminder to them that when that time came, they only had one year. How many of you, how many of you would, I mean, think about this, one year, and, it, and they had to do it exactly as they were commanded to do it because if they didn't do it exactly guess what happened if there was somehow some neglect or by by some you know by some way that if the ministry wasn't sanctified because the bible says they had to be sanctified in order to amen to to go through the services if they weren't sanctified guess what happened when he entered into that holy of holies guess what happened So their representation, their rep their high priest, if, if if he wasn't sanctified, if he didn't follow God's plan when he entered the Holy of Holies, he was struck dead. Guess what? Their representation was gone and they were hopeless. And all they could look forward to was the judgment of God. So, how many of you, if you knew that was your plight, how would you feel? You would be relieved for 11 months. But the 12th month, you'd be saying, oh man. You would be reminded. Are you listening to me? You would be reminded that you're not forgiven. That you haven't been, you haven't received atonement. You would be reminded. Yes. But here's what the Bible says. Jesus only had to die once. Right. Yeah. And he was the perfect sacrifice. Right. Not only was he the perfect sacrifice, right. he was the ultimate high priest. Amen. He offered his own blood. Amen. And he praised God. He made an atonement for us. So now we don't have to worry about it. No, uh, About water baptism. But it's still what? Purifying. 
of our conscience. In other words, we don't have to look forward to that wrath of God anymore. We have been forgiven. My, my, my. I find this really interesting. I find this really interesting. So to be, to, for us to, to understand it, to comprehend it, remember this. And, and I'm a, I'm a, I just want to insert this in there. Remember, because of, of the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection, and the price he paid for us because of that, okay, we need to understand everything that was built as far as that tabernacle was concerned. Remember, they, they had to follow a pattern. They had to follow that pattern. It had to be done accordingly as was shown to Moses on the mount. So there you go. Amen. As we enter that tabernacle, there we go. The first part of that tabernacle was the holy place. That holy place. So there he sets the table of showbread. And there he sets the altar of incense right before the veil. And there was the candlesticks, the golden candlesticks. So the ministers, the priests, guess what? The, the priests of the Lord, the Levites that service the tabernacle every day, they had access to that area of the tabernacle. They could go in there because they had to service. You know what I mean by service? We discussed it the other night. Okay, we'll look at that in a few moments here. But they serviced that. But the only one that was allowed to enter past the second veil into the holies of holies was the high priest. But they could service that. They could go in there and they could minister to the showbread. They could take care of the table of the showbread. They could take care of the altar of incense. And they could, they could maintenance the, amen, the candlesticks. They could go in there and they could take care of it. So the Levites had that task or that, that was their job description. But the only one that could go beyond that second veil was the high priest alone. But when you ministered in that place and you did according to the commandment of the Lord, because you did, because you did, you became holy. Now, don't get that confused with what takes place on the sacrifices for sin. Because the only ones allowed in this place was the, was the priesthood. Sinners were allowed when they came and they offered their sin offerings, their burnt offerings, and their peace offerings. And their first fruits and all that, their drink offerings, they were allowed. When they came in, when they came in and they made peace with God. They made peace with God. They took care of the sin question. That's what the sin offering was all about. They, they offered, amen, that ram. And they shed its blood. Why? It was for their sin. So they made an atonement. So when they made peace with God, when they offered, when they took care of their sin, and they came before Him, guess what they did? Here's the thing about making this personal, and I'm, I'm not, I don't want to deviate, but I'm just doing this so you can help me to understand. Here's the thing about making your relationship with God personal. Because every Israelite that represented his family, when he brought that sin offering, and it was offered to the Lord, 
And there it was. It was, it was sacrificed and it was filleted and it was laid on the altar. And they took the, the, the insides and they washed it and it was laid there too. And then when the Lord received that sacrifice and there it went up as a sweet smelling savor unto the Lord. When he received it, guess what they did? Their portion was just like the high priest, the one that offered the sacrifice, was to take a portion of it and eat it. In other words, they were to ingest their sacrifice. How many of you are sincere about your sacrifice? You have to be sincere enough where you're going to make it a part of you. You're going to ingest it. You ever wonder why the Bible says, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance? You have to act on what you're doing. You're, you're taking care of your sin. That is your personal sacrifice. Presenting your bodies, what? A living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reason. You have to do that. You have to ingest it. That's got to become a part of you. That's your relationship with God. Now that took place when they offered the daily sacrifice. If there was sin. Okay, that's a whole nother. But I said that just to say this. Here's the priest inside the holy place. And every time they went through daily with the ceremonies that took place in that. Every time they partook. Every time they went in there and you know, obeyed the word of God. Guess what that made them? Holy. Okay. Wow. So here it is. You enter the holy place. So because of our Lord's death, burial, resurrection, here's the thing. Listen to this. He has become our light. He has become our intercessor. And he has become our food. Our yes. bread. Yes. Yes. You understand that? Yes. He has become our light. Right. He has become our intercessor. Right. And he has become our bread, our food. Right. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Think about that. Uh, let's go back to the book of Exodus chapter 25 there. Let's do some reading here. Oh, man, I tell you. What. I mean, when you, when you look into this, when you get in some understanding content. You know, concerning this, it's really, it's, it blows my mind, I tell you. It blows my mind. Look what it says here in Exodus 25. <clears throat> Verse number 23. Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit cubit the breadth thereof 
and a cubit and a half, the height thereof. Thou shalt overlay it with gold, with pure gold, and make to it a crown of gold round about. It's talking about the table of showbread. And thou shalt make unto it a border of, of a handbreadth round about, and thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about. And thou shalt make for it four rings of gold, and put the rings in the, cor the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Over against the border shall the rings be for places of the staves to bear the table. And thou shalt make the staves of Siddim wood, and overlay them with gold, that the table may be borne with them. The table can be carried with them. Okay? And thou shalt make the dishes thereof, and spoons thereof, and covers thereof, and bowls thereof, to cover with all of pure gold shalt thou make them, and thou shalt set up the table showbread, that thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me all way. Wow. Here we kind of get a little uh, description and some insight concerning that table and, and, and go with me to the book of uh, uh, Leviticus chapter 24 and we'll do some more reading here in, the, in, in, in Leviticus 24 and we'll see here in Leviticus 24 I'll let you get there and uh We'll start with uh, we'll start with verse number five. Look what it says. And thou shalt take fine flour and bake twelve cakes thereof. Two tenth deals shall be in one cake. And thou shalt set them in two rows, six on a row upon the pure table before the Lord. And thou shalt put pure frankincense upon each roll, that it may be on the bread for a memorial, even an offering made by fire unto the Lord. You see that? Every Sabbath he shall eat it in order before the Lord, continually being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be Aaron's and his sons, and they shall eat it in the holy place, for it is most holy unto him of the offerings of the Lord made by fire by a perpetual statute. So here we see instruction given concerning, you know, we, we, we see the the commandments about the construction of the table, the table, but now we see instruction concerning the showbread itself. And he refers to them as cakes. Twelve cakes. That is interesting. Twelve cakes. And they're supposed to set them upon the showbread, table of showbread, twelve cakes. So six cakes upon one another. Now they're have been some, you know, uh, uh, debate about how it was done. They said they laid them in rows of six like this. 
But if you study, you know, the Jewish history, and and of course the the the, the priests, the tribe of Levi, the priests that are we have today, the rabbis all say this: they were stacked upon one another. So you had six showbread that were in one stack and six showbread that were in the other stack. Okay? And that's what was placed. And of course, along with all the, like you said, the dishes, the spoons, and all, everything that they used to be able to eat the showbread when they went into the holy place. Okay? That's something, isn't it? Something. But I, 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 I want to, you look, at, you look back at the table, the construction of the table. Even look at the construction of it. Two elements, shittim wood and gold. Shittim wood and gold. Another word that they use for shittim wood is acacia. It's the same wood, acacia and shittim are the same thing. Alright? So they say shittim wood and gold. That the table of Shobit had to be constructed out of. Shittim wood and gold. So why why would the Lord obviously want the table of Shobit to be made out of shittim wood? What does that mean? Well, let's, let's break it down. Shittim represents the humanity. Gold represents divinity or deity so the combination of humanity and deity the shittim wood now here's the interesting thing about shittim wood or acacia you know what they call it you know what they refer to it at they call it wood that is incorruptible in other words the elements of nature cannot really get to it you know how those of you that know wood what does wood do in temperature changes and humidity changes Warps and moves and stuff like this. Shittim wood is not like that. It's unaffected, so that's why they call it incorruptible. Can't be corrupted by the elements. Doesn't move with the elements. So that's why they call it incorruptible. What does that represent? The sinless Jesus Christ. Remember, make everything according to the pattern that was showed thee on the mount. So, incorruptible, sinless represents the humanity of the Lord Jesus. The overlaid gold represents the deity of the Lord Jesus. Wow. Here's something interesting. I never realized this. Sometimes, you know, we approach the scripture, and, and of course, I, I, I always try to use different uh, methods of trying to understand the scripture, and of course, I have all my books. Everybody knows about all my books. I got, I got books and books and books. Uh, a Greek Bible, uh, a Hebrew concordance, and a Hebrew lexicon. A Greek concordance and a Greek lexicon, dictionaries of the Bible, Bible words, uh, customs of the Bible. Oh man, I could go on and on. I've got a lot of books that that kind of have helped me to understand the scriptures. 
to help me to be able to just get some kind of, you know, knowledge. And so, you know, those things kind of help me to, so I can be able to basically, but there's one thing, you know, that I never realized until maybe back in the mid-90s when I was really into the Feast of the Lord, and here I was, and, and I got a hold of some experts, that some people that were supposed to be experts in eschatology, and a couple that were supposed to be experts in the, in the, in the Feast of the Lord, the study of the Feast of the Lord, both of them, one of them was, uh, both of them from the United Pentecostal Church, and, and uh, Paul Dugas from up there in, in Oregon, and then another brother, uh, Richard D. Hurd, I don't know if any of you ever heard of Richard Hurd, I don't know if he's still alive, but a well-known person that has a lot of understanding of prophetic events, eschatology, that's what eschatology is, the study of prophecy, the study of prophetic events, and so there I was, and, I, and back in those days, of course, we didn't have the internet, couldn't get on there, or couldn't look them up or anything, so we had to correspond. So I got some phone numbers, and I got some addresses, and I began to call, and I began to write. And it took several months, but lo and behold, they answered. Ah! <laughs> so, so our relationship began. So, but when I, when I was talking to them about what I was studying, you know, and, and I'm not trying to cast a shadow upon these brethren, but when they relate to me the information, I looked at it, I said, hey, this is, I know this already. I know this. Okay, thank you. I took it anyway, but it was what I, you know, what I, I was learning. So I thought to myself, what, how could I get, what do I need? So I, here somebody said, you know what, have you ever tried to get a hold of a, a Jewish rabbi? And I said, I said, no. I need to find one. Lo and behold, I found one, the first one, down in Texas. And when I started to correspond with him, I said, I, he said, so he gave me, he gave me his whole spiel about his descent, his lineage. And he proved to me he was actually a descendant of the tribe of Levi. Wow. And so when I told him what I was doing, he said, what, what is all this interest about? So I said, I really want to study the feast of the Lord. He said, wow. He said, uh, he said, what country are you from? Or what your, what's your ethnicity? So I said, I'm an American, but I said, I'm a Native American. He found that really interesting. A what? A Native American? So that kind of, you know, after that, he just took to me. And so we started to correspond. And so he started, he sent me some books. And I started reading those books. And I was thinking, wow, this is what I need. The Jewish perspective. Because Jesus was a Jew. Yeah. So here's the thing. When they talk about the altar of, uh, or the, the table of showbread, the scripture gives us insight about what was done. It was six, two piles, six, six cakes, six stacks on each, you know, two stacks, 12. Now here's, here's, here's something. Some say the 12 the loaves represent the tribes of Levi. Some say the twelve represents the zodiac. 
Now, why is that? That's interesting. When we talk about the zodiac, we're talking about, guess what? The constellations. Did you realize this? In Jewish teaching, the story of the cross is in the constellations. You know, astrologers, they go way back. They take it and they twist it for their own purpose. They watch the stars. You know, you get these people, you know, what, what, what are your, star, your lucky stars? What are they telling you today? So they're trying to, they're trying to figure out the future. It's not even, not even used for that. But the story, God's story, is written in the constellations. But what's that a represent, representation of? You think about this. The 12 showbread. Now here's the thing. Uh, a rabbi from, uh, I believe he's from uh, Georgia. I'm trying to remember the place in Georgia. Ath- is it Athens, Georgia? Is it Athens, Georgia? Yeah, it might be Athens, Georgia. But, but you know, he shared with me in his comments, he said, he said, those 12 cakes of soul bread, they're all, now we'll, we'll look at, at it ourselves, they're all placed in order. They're not just randomly put there. But they're all placed in order, and that order is according to the constellations. Is everybody staying with me? That's what I was told. That's what I was told. And here's the thing. The stacks are placed in such a way where a priest, when he goes in there, doesn't just grab randomly from a stack. He has to start with a certain stack and he has to, when they eat, they have to eat that showbread according to the order. Can't just randomly... You know, yeah. This one looks good to me. How many of you ever open a loaf of bread? How many of you ever get to heal right away? My wife does, but I don't. I'll go past the heal and I'll get whatever I need. Maybe I'm not supposed to do that, but I always make sure that they're pretty soft, and the ones that, that are soft, I'll go after them. That's right. <laughs> but that's the way I do it. So I do it randomly. But according to them, it's not supposed to be eaten randomly. There's an order. And that order is according to the alignment of the constellations. Think about that. Now here's a hint. Here's a hint. The Bible says that the tabernacle was made according to the pattern of what was in the heavenly. In other words, has that connection 
He called it a worldly tabernacle, but yet he said it was built after the pattern that was made in the heavens. The heavenly. So there's that connection. So here's, here's, here's what they say. The priest, when he eats of the showbread, because he ingests the showbread and because it has to be eaten in a certain order, he makes his connection with the heavens. Let me ask you, Bible scholars, where does the Holy Ghost come from? Jesus said, born again. The literal translation, born from above. That's what born again means. Born from above. And, and Peter made the statement that, amen, the Holy Ghost is given to us. It comes from above. So everything we have to do with God here on earth, because we're temporal yet. We're carnal. Everything, every link we have to do with God, guess what? When we make that link through the Holy Ghost, and let me, tell, let me listen to this because we're on this, and through the Word of God, guess what? We make that connection Amen. to the heavenly. Yeah. 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 That's right. yeah. Woo. Amen. The spiritual. <laughs> okay? Now, let's, let's do some more reading here. And I'm, man, I tell you what. Uh, Numbers chapter 4, let me see. Numbers chapter 4, and uh, let me see, Numbers chapter 4, okay, verse number 7, <coughs> if that's right, Numbers chapter 4, let me make sure, alright, verse number 7, and it says, upon the table of showbread, now look what it says, they shall spread a cloth of blue and put thereon the dishes and the spoons and the bowls and covers to cover with all. And look what he calls it. The continual bread shall be thereon. The continual bread. Now he's talking about the the show bread. The continual bread. So here's the thing. Every color that was used in the making of the hangings and the veils in the tabernacle all represented something. So you think about it. Obviously, 
the heavenlies were represented at times by what? You went into the you went into the holiest of all and you had all the hangings and on those hangings were embroidered cherubims. Huh? Yeah. And what were the hangings? They were blue. Right. So obviously the connection was this. Where are cherubims? Obviously around the throne of God, where is that? The heavens. Right. So everything basically put obviously the the priest, the high priest and the priest in a state of mind so that they could realize the dimension, the area that they were ministering in. Is that understandable? So they can know, basically, guess what? How many of you people realize this? Why is this important to us? Certain things that we see, certain things that we use, they symbolize something. Yes. That's right. The cross. The stones. Yep. Uh, everything symbolizes something. Yes. Yeah. That's the way our mind will connect, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We, we're, we're used to the abstract. Yeah. So we connect. So to put ourselves in that frame of mind. Right. Everything God tries to do, He gives us hints, and here we sit there. Yeah. You're right. You're right. We might be colorblind. We might just see blotches. The Lord's trying to say. But we can see other things. (laughs) Things that we don't need to see. Oh, I know what that looks like. The showbread. Translated, showbread. It means to show. To tell forth. To declare. And as one interpretation goes, to show me. So you think about it. The scripture, when we ingest God's word, because the priest had to eat that in service in the Lord, but that was his sustenance, that was his strength, the showbread. He ingested it, he ate it. But obviously the purpose of it was to, amen, somehow illuminate his mind, his understanding. When he knew what it was for and the purpose it served, it was for his strength, his understanding. It was his connection to God. You know why that's imp- you know why it's important for us to study the word of God? We don't read near enough, some of us. And the only time we pick it up is when we come to church. When we're to ingest it every day. Ingest it. Oh, I was reading, I forgot to references and uh, I'll probably put together some references for you all so you can you can check it out but uh, I was reading in Josephus and he was talking about remember when uh, 
Herod the Great was uh, remodeling or renovating the temple. He made the temple platform bigger than what it used to be. Basically, people don't even know this. You know what they did to it? They dismantled. That was the temple that they rebuilt when they came back from Babylon. And they, they dismantled it. All of it down to the foundation. And you know what Herod did? He rebuilt it. He made it more, you know, as far as its beauty. But here's the thing. People were upset with Herod because when he did that, he used a little bit of the architecture that was prominent in that day. So they didn't like it. And that, you know what that architecture was? Greek. So they didn't like it. Even though it was beauty, it was, it was a beautiful place, but he made it bigger and, and, and all of this. But, so that's what he did. So he, he built that place and he made it more magnificent and, and all of this. But people say that. But uh, Josephus said this. When they, when they renovated, here they were, they were in a debate about, the, because remember, in the Temple of Solomon, and of course that was, uh, they followed the pattern of the Temple of Solomon, instead of there being one table of showbread, guess how many there were in there? In the Temple of Solomon. Guess how many there were in the Temple in Jesus' day? How many tables of showbread were in there? Ten. Okay. No, nope. but here, here's the thing. So when they were discussing about even rebuilding the table of showbread, they were, the, uh, there was an argument, of course, people from Delphi were arguing with, with the priests, and they said, we need to make it bigger because it's for your God. So, But the priests were saying, no, we need to keep them the same size that was given to So guess what happened? The, the priests won their argument. All right, so so Josephus alludes to that debate that they had while Herod was building his temple. Then he says this. He said, "People don't really realize the sacredness of our the way we worship God." He said, "Even in a manner, this is what he says: this when the priests lay those showbread on that table, they have to be laid there, put there in order according to the constellations." So even Josephus. So you think about that. A lot of people don't even realize that. But anyway, so so we see that in, in uh, praise God. We let's go to. Uh, I need. Oh man, I'm over. Do I stop? Do I go on? Well, let's go on. Just a couple of verses. Uh, let's go to the book of Leviticus 21. And we'll stop there. I just, if I get going here, we're going to be here. Leviticus 21. Look what they call it. Twenty-one, twenty-two. And of course, this is the law about the priest. And, and just kind of ignore the first part of that. But the priest, no priest that, you know, <clears throat> was obviously uh, had any kind of blemishes in his body, could not eat of the bread. But look what they referenced it to. 
in verse 21, no man that hath a blemish of the seed of Aaron, the priest shall come nigh to offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire. He hath a blemish, he shall not come nigh to offer the bread of his God. He shall eat the bread of his God, both of the most holy and of the holy. So what do they refer to the showbread? As the bread of God. The bread of God. Then you go there to uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 13. 2 Chronicles chapter 13. And, and uh, look what's taking place here. This Second Chronicles 13. Test, test. Okay, it's still working. If you have it, say amen. amen. Oh, wait, wait. I need to go. I need to get in the right book. I'm in the wrong book. I got First Chronicles. That's what I'm in. Second Chronicles chapter 13, verse number 11. Look what it says. Look what it says. Uh, <clears throat> back up to verse number 10. It says, but as for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not forsaken him. And the priests which minister unto the Lord are the sons of Aaron, and the Levites wait upon their business. And they burn unto the Lord every morning and every evening burnt sacrifices and sweet incense. Now look what he says. The showbread also set they in order upon the pure table. So the showbread was put in order upon the pure table. So we see that there was an order that was prescribed according to the word of God. Okay? The bread of order. So now we see this. Now we see this. Now we see the importance of it. The showbread. Okay? So now we can understand why it is vitally important for us that when we talk about, you know, what we believe right now today, and amen, the reason why it's important for us to follow God's plan, to follow his instruction, because all this served as a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was called the bread of life. Amen. We'll stop there for tonight. We'll continue next Wednesday. Thank you very much.